Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with my cult colleague, Sean Patrick Ryan. Welcome, Sean. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Sean writes for the Oil Night blog. He is an outstanding uh, hockey observer. Um, you'll find him at Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? At the Oil Night. At the Oil Night. Yeah. And uh, I really noticed Sean because of his uh, excellent work covering uh, the OHL and the Oilers prospects there. Not so many Oilers prospects in the OHL this year. Is there any? No, unfortunately. <laughs> Thanks for stepping up tonight. Bruce is out watching the stars in Saskatchewan and Kurt's here in Edmonton. I'm not sure what he's up to. I think he's uh, visiting with his son. So uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. It's a late night for you and, and a rough, rough night for all Oiler fans. It was a five to one loss. It was a stinker of a game. So we're just going to, we're going to go through this. We're going to do our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast, but because there was so many bad things, we're actually going to go with two bad things each. But we start out, as always, with our good things. What, what was your good thing, Sean? Uh, I think mine was the the play of, of Nygaard. I think he played with a lot of speed. He had, I think we tracked three or four uh, grade A chances. He, um, you know, after his injury, he, it looked like he was a little bit slow to kind of get back in the groove of things, but I really like his his uh, his determination, his intensity, skating hard every shift. You notice him out there. Um, it would have been nice to kind of see him bumped up to the second line because I really think that line needs more speed with with Nuge and Neal. But uh, yeah, I like Nygaard, Nygaard's game. I didn't like didn't he get some shifts? I think early in the third, if I'm not mistaken, he might have got a shift or two with McDavid and uh, Tassian. Now that might have just been because of the jumble, because of the numerous. Uh, King's power plays, but um, he, he, I agree. Um, you know, Kara had played okay though. I mean, he's coming off, what was it? A two goal game. So you can see, see the reasoning, ride the hot hand, but I like the player as well. I'm hopeful that he's going to find a role uh, on one of the top two lines. There's a potential, but I really like him on the checking line as well. I mean, um, what's not to like about, he had two breakaways he had that one just bang, bang chance just right on the doorstep in the third if he had only scored on one of those. And I thought the second one where he went uh, stick side and quick got it was his best chance to drain it. And he just, that would have been, I think it was, was it three to one then still? Let me just have a quick look. I think it was three to one then. And, and that would have been a huge moment for the Oilers just looking at, yeah, it was uh, three to one. McDavid had just scored. And this was, well, it was about nine minutes later. So yeah, uh, they were, the orders were coming on and they were doing okay. And then uh, two minutes after that, uh, we get a, a weak play by Caleb Jones and the pucks in the back of the net. Um, so my good thing, uh, Zach Cassian, I, I didn't think the Oilers, there wasn't a lot of good. And it wasn't like a terrible game from the Oilers. Actually, it was actually fairly close. And the difference was goaltending. Um, so, but not a lot of Oilers were bringing their A game tonight. And, uh, I thought Zach, Zach Cassian was one of the few who did. He set up two of Nygaard's chances, one from behind the net, once passing it into the middle and he was skating fast and hitting and he, he didn't make, he wasn't out. He might've been on the ice for some goals against, but he wasn't one of the culprits on the goals against as far as I could tell. So, um, I thought he was one of the few guys who, who did bring his A game, maybe, 
the only one. Uh, Clefbaum was actually, you know, there was a couple other players who were pretty good. But um, I thought, uh, and you know, Nurse wasn't bad, but Cassian, I thought, was probably the best owner on the ice. Well, and he's he's been playing well for quite some time now, right? You can tell he has a ton of confidence. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's what you want. If you're playing on the top line, you want consistency. You want a guy that's going to bring it and dig pucks, you know, out of the corners or whatever. And he seems to be doing that well. Did you expect this to happen with him? Like, remember last year, last, so last year at this time, and I wrote a recent post about this, yeah. He was so, he was, well, McClellan was fired by, he was starting, Cassian was starting to rebound by now because Hitchcock came in and, and he liked the player, put him on the identity line with Lucic and Brodziak. What a horrible identity that was. But McClellan had press, <laughs> press boxed him uh, for a couple of games. And I, I'll tell you what, people were talking about, if only we could trade the guy, but he's got that big contract. And, and I wasn't saying this, but some people said, you can't move him with that contract. Although I, I, if someone said that, I wouldn't have disagreed because that's how down in the dumps uh, we were about Cassian. What was your take on him at the time? Um, well, I mean, as far as the lineups go, I've probably put out a thousand different line combinations. So maybe I did have them there at one point and then I changed my mind two days later, right? Oh, well, with McDavid and Drysaddle, you mean you might have had that once? Yo, know, I'm sure I did it at some point. You said put up yeah. your hand. But I mean, realistically... I think Oilers fans, I think we all kind of hoped he could be in that Tom Wilson role. And, and I mean, if you just look at complementary skill sets, it kind of makes sense. He kind of brings the aggression there and, and he's got the speed to keep up. Um, did I think he'd be doing as good as he's doing right now? Probably not. And uh, I'm still not 100% convinced he can do it for the for the whole season. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's been a great complement to that line. So. Really I never thought he'd be that consistent, as consistent as he is now. I never thought we'd see game in, game out, this kind of effort. And we're seeing it. So good for him. Like he's to, to do that. I think you have to figure out a few things. You have to figure out your schedule, your, you know, your body, your, your, your head, all those things have to come together. If you yeah. can put, cause it's a grind, the NHL season. And so for him to do this is really impressive. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, bad things, bad things, bad things. What's much, your first bad thing? How much time do we have? I wish you would have me on a uh, have me on one where we win, but we'll. Uh, well, we'll do that. We'll do that. You'll yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. Um, I, I've graded four games in a row where the orders have lost, so people are going to start turning on me like I'm going to be the. Uh, what's that on the boat where the person's considered bad luck, and they uh, you know when things are going bad on a on those old sailing ships, and the person would be the bad luck person, and they throw them overboard. That's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> And there you go, right? Um, Your bad thing. Oh, the bad thing? Um, I didn't really like care at all tonight, his game. And, uh, you know, he kind of turned over the puck there a few times, especially on the penalty kill as well. He, he kind of looked slow. He just he just didn't really have it at all. Um, and, and I know he's been on a little bit of a heater. He scored a few goals. But, I mean, ultimately, especially with, with Nuge and Neal, and I know some people have talked about having Chase on, on there. He, he does well with Nuge, it seems like. But I really think you got to have speed, right? you got to have that. That's why I think Nygaard's such a good fit. Because, again, we talk about complementary skill sets. And when they first started at the beginning of the season, Nygaard was getting a lot of chances. He was getting shots on net. Um, I don't have the actual stats in front of me and to see how many shots he actually has. But I know he's got a bunch for the season and he, he creates stuff where, where Karis just, I don't know. I think, I think he's, you know, he's been, he's been lucky the last few games, but tonight in particular, and I, I'm not even sure if he came back there at the end, but I just, I really didn't like his game at all. And I kind of see him more as a bottom six forward to begin with, but. 
well, I mean, three weeks ago, again, if he had been sent to the minors or put in the press box, most other fans would have been, yeah, well, that makes a ton of sense. But he has since come on. And he is, to give him credit, he is part of uh, a just a fantastic penalty killing unit at this point. Although I would give mainly the credit to Riley Sheehan um, and Chris Russell and Oscar Clefbaum. And Archibald. Those, and Archibald, yeah. Uh, fair enough. The, that it, I mean, that's another good thing. If we were looking for, if we had another good thing, we should... Heck, one of us. I should have probably picked that actually, because the penalty killing was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but there was one that there was the one goal right at the end, but that wasn't on the the forwards, or it wasn't on the the main forwards. That was on Bear, Nurse, Koskin, and Drysaddle. I mean, they all kind of combined. Uh, so my bad thing. Well, um, well, obviously Mike Smith. Uh, he's had a few tough starts in a row, and that one was really really tough. I mean. You can't. You will never win. You will never win a game. So they're like the 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 um. Let's just let me let me just re- refresh my memory here. So the the first one, the oh, first. The, the first one, top Tyler Toffoli. That's a fairly tough shot, but it's from far enough outside that you'd want your goalie to have that. And then he immediately, just a short time later, gives up a bad rebound, and they get another great A chance because of that. They don't score on it. Um, the second goal, Kopitar comes in and just. That's a pretty tough one. I didn't blame the goalie on that. But the third one is a super duper double stinker because it's not only a terrible rebound and a bad goal. It's with like no time left in the period. Like there's just, if the Oilers had come back from that, it would have been like a minor hockey miracle because it's hard enough to come back from it when the goalie lets in a bad goal. And that was the first real stinker. But when you have that at the right at the end of the period, yikes. Well, and the whole period, like it was just, you know, it was like whenever you let in the first shot and it's it's so reminiscent of Cam Talbot, right? You let in the yeah. first, come on, come on, guys, let's go. Let's, you know, let's get going. First shot, boom, it's in the net. It's like, it's it's a kick in the, you know, twig and berries, right? So um, the second shot, he went high, what he went high glove side. That would have beat Koskin in top corner too, because that's where he Yes. Did. And yeah. he, right? So I don't blame him for the second goal. But yeah, I agree with you. That third goal was brutal too. Um and I, I feel like I can't remember what game it was. Maybe it was the last the last game he he started. He uh, there was another one right near. I think I feel like it was right near the end of the period. Somebody shot it from the blue line, and he and was it him or Koskinen? Now I can't even. remember. It was I, I I seem to have a memory of Smith, and I don't can't recall, but I yeah. I can recall just in the last couple of games. There's been a couple goals where it's kind of like the Tyler Toffoli goals, kind of like grade B shots, but you, you probably should have them. Like he yeah. he, he hasn't been. He hasn't been as sharp as he was um, earlier in the year. And there's we're starting to see a bit of separation in the goalies. So it's good there's one goalie who's separating. There's It's good that there's one goalie who's getting it done. But it's was so, so outstanding for the Oilers to actually have two. And now they're they're missing that. Uh, I, I, I just want to mention one thing. On, on those first two goals, well, the first goal, it was weird. I don't know if there was line changes that were... were that yeah. What, but because what was it? Uh, uh, Bear was out with Russell on the first goal, and then right after that, when they got that grade A chance, they got a breakaway. Nurse and Caleb Jones were out on the ice together because Nurse had pinched, and Jones was the only one back. So I don't know if they were having a bunch of bi- a bad line changes there that kind of created those chances. But I think on the first one, McDavid was the one forechecker out there, and he had a chance to stop that pass up the middle of the ice that said set uh, Toffoli in because it was then. 
it was kind of a nice play by the Kings where it was passed up the middle of the ice and de- deflected over to Toffoli, you know, sh- is it Toffoli or Toffoli streaking down the wing and he just caught bare flat footed. Yeah. And um, it was a tough, that was a tough play for any defenseman. Like if a guy's got a head of steam like that. But um, so my bad thing is, so Caleb Jones, um, he's usually been pretty good this in the games that he's played. And I think both you and I are, I'm a, I'm a big Caleb Jones fan. I think he should be on the Oilers. And I was glad that Tippett didn't bench him because I was worried that might that might happen, right. but that that didn't happen. He he stuck with him and and Jones. Um, so the uh, he on the the first um, on the second goal of the Kings, he lost a battle behind the net, and these things happen to to all defensemen, and it goes out to Kopitar on the slot, and and it was actually McDavid who should have been covering. Kopitar in the slot and it was mainly on McDavid that goal but Jones did let that out and then on the um, um, on the fourth goal it was he made a bad read in the neutral zone and it led to a kind of a two-on-one-ish rush where the Kings kind of the, the went off cleft bomb and then they kind of slammed it in the net yeah. so that was on Jones as well and that's when I thought he might get benched but he didn't get benched and I thought he played well in the third but uh, that's a bad thing what about yeah. anything Yep. Do you want to go to? Go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, I agree with, with Jones on that. It's it's nice to see him kind of settle down in the third. Um, one of the concerning things for me, and this kind of touches on the 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 uh, the bad things, is I've noticed the especially the last few games. And again, you don't really want to get a knee jerk reaction. It's hard to criticize McDavid and Drysaddle because they're so amazing offensively, right? And everybody knows. I mean. You can see I got McDavid, Jersey, Dreisaitl. Okay, so nobody can say I hate these guys. But the last couple of games, especially the Dallas game and now this one, you know, McClellan, or not McClellan. Um, Tippett. Always talks about, uh, at the beginning of the year, talking about five up, five down. And it, it seems like the Oilers, the forwards especially, are starting to get away from that defensively. The Dallas game was really disappointing. McDavid and Dreisel, I thought, were very poor defensively. And then again tonight, you mentioned the one goal there where McDavid could have came back. Um, Dreisel, I think he really struggled again defensively, not picking up his man, even on the power play there. That last one, he was just a little bit behind. I don't know if they're if they're kind of – because they're behind, they're cheating for offense or they're just not giving enough effort coming back. But – it's starting to become a trend, and it's something that I hope Tippett kind of nips in the butt. Because if your top players aren't doing it, they're the ones that are setting the example. So if they're not coming back and they're not playing defense and you're seeing it over and over again now, then that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the team, right? So that's that kind of speaks to my it's, it's It's huge. It's massive. And it's and it's and you're right. I agree with you. This is uh, it's a bit of an issue in the last week or two and players go through defensive slumps just like they go through offensive um bursts you know where they're where, where they have really great, great times they, they have defensive slumps and i thought you know baron uh, nurse have been playing better but they were going through one for a little while there and giving up a lot of great a chances now this game and this this was your second bad thing um um dry sidle, so we have mcdavid on the first goal um, he, he's, he's not able to stop the stretch pass up the middle of the ice on the second goal. He's a little slow to Kopitar in the slot. Cause they were both breaking out fast and they, in the puck got stripped off him. Then on the third goal, it's dry saddle. He's, he's supposed to be covering that guy, um, coming down the slot and he just lets him go and he gets the rebound and puts it in. I think that was Jeff Carter. And then on the fifth goal, the, you know, the game's over by then, but dry was again, a little slow 
to the uh, slot area, and the um, LA Kings scored again. So there you have it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky wasn't the greatest defensive player. Mm, He scored enough, though that he made up for it. And and the so these two two guys have been doing that this year as well, but I don't think they can score enough not to be they need to be strong defensive hockey players for the Oilers to be a winning playoff team. And they they generally they generally are, especially dry settle this year but not tonight. Yeah, oh and, and not the Dallas game either because I mean tonight they're both I guess uh looking at the stat, well, Cassian was minus 3, like you said it wasn't really his fault. Dry settle was minus 3, he was on the ice for that fourth goal. McDavid was minus two but he was on the ice for three and then the previous game dallas they were both on the ice drives on mcdavid for, for what four goals against so it's it's, it's starting to become a little bit of a trick yeah guy's not falling i mean they're the two best players best duo in the league but you know they should be setting the example they're the kind of the leadership group now so you hope they kind of nip that in the bud and you know be better two-way players yeah they will be they're going to come back strong next game of course they will all right, uh, let's go to our numbers, and uh, what is your number? Well, I, I hate to be the guy that always complains about the officiating, but, I mean, six power plays to two for the Kings. That's kind of my number, six to two. I felt like there was a bunch of non-calls against the Oilers, you know, grabbing McDavid, and and it, last year it seemed like <laughs> it just seemed like the world was out to get Edmonton. And then even, I don't know what it is, but the last few games, again, it just seems like for whatever reason, they're not getting the calls. Like Evander Kane, literally two hands, Matt Benning right in the face in front of a linesman. There was no call the last game. Tonight, there was a there was a few that really, I don't, I feel like should have been calls. And then the one against Kara, I thought that was pretty weak as well. So I'm going to say the, uh, even though Edmonton killed, well, five of them, I guess they, they let in the last one. Um, I wasn't happy with the, the six to two penalties, I guess. Fair enough. What was it's, your? It's California, man. It's this always happens in California. You get the. It right. just seems to me, if the orders are going to get shafted by the refs, it's going to happen in California, yeah. because it happens game after game after game there. Um, I'm going to go with Clefbaum's time on ice again, twenty six thirteen, which wasn't as much as his time on ice. Uh, the last game, I don't even know if it's his season average. I think it's above his season average a bit. But geez, he he. He uh, started off a bit shaky this year, I thought, defensively, but he's really come on in the last 10 games or so and is playing. You know, I've I've talked about this before where I thought in the 2017 playoffs, Oscar Clefbaum was the Oilers' best player. Um, he just stepped up totally as a top-pairing defenseman and was everything we hoped he would be. Because of injuries, we haven't seen that player in the last couple of years so much, but we have we are seeing that player in the last 10 games. He is just he is playing fine hockey. On the penalty kill, he is strong. On the power play, he's doing well. I mean, he's not a he's not a power play ace, but he's doing well enough. And at even strength, he's he's like a in the last ten games, he's been that that kind of tower of power defenseman. And good for him. It's great to see. And boy, do the orders the orders need it. But th- this is part of the kind of the. Uh, I don't know the the Oilers' renaissance on defense. Like when was to have a renaissance, you have to have had been good in the past, and the Oilers have never. <laughs> I guess in two thousand and six, the Oilers had a really strong defensive core with Chris Pronger leading the way. So this is the the the, the this is an evolution. Yes, all all these young guys, right? They really are, and it's fantastic to see. And the Oilers are like seven, eight, nine players deep 
now on defense, like guys who like yeah. there's, they have about five or six guys who can get by on a top four pairing. If needs be, they've got about three guys who can be in the top pairing if needs be. And they've got about another, you know, they've got about four or five guys who can play third pairing. And we don't know where Caleb Jones is going to end up in this whole mix. So yeah. like in that mix, is he going to be one of the guys who can play in the top four or is he going to be a guy? I think for sure he can play in the bottom pairing. But yeah, Clefbaum, Nurse, and Bear can all play in the top pairing, and that's something the Oilers definitely haven't had in a long, long time. So right, and when you you put out that question today, which was a good question, um, is Nurse the best defenseman on the team? Right? Yeah, Clefbaum, Bear, and I, I think they all kind of bring a different, um, they all bring different strengths to the team, right? And but we we haven't seen every, and everybody points to how, you know how how much the team struggles without Clefbaum when he's out. But Nurse has been healthy for the last three years. He hasn't missed a game. So we haven't really seen the team without Nurse. We may end up losing. You know, it may hurt more than you think, right, because of his speed and his physicality and things like that. So, uh, but I'm just curious, at what point do you, at what point do you put Ethan Bear on the power play? Well, I, that's a good question. Now, you know, my, when you put your GM hat on, you think, I got to sign Ethan Bear. Yeah. And as long as the power play is really functioning well with Clefbaum, I'd, I'd rather not give those 15 points this year to Ethan Bear because that's going to cost me a million dollars a year. I hate that mentality. I, I hate it too. But you, you, when you when you put that hat on, you you think that way, right? Like so. Um, I, I mean, I I don't like. And then there's the whole team dynamic with the veterans. Like you know, you don't want to upset the apple cart. Clefbaum's leading the top power play in the NHL. Why do you replace him? But to me, I would I think the Oilers' power play is better with Ethan Bear leading it than with Oscar Clefbaum leading it so um after i put out that question i put out a poll question actually asking people um the same thing let me just see what the results are right now uh let me just see here so we've had 1812 votes who is the best d-man on the edmonton owners right now oscar clefbaum 66 percent ethan bear 23 percent darnell nurse nine percent and chris chris russell two percent the Russell, the Russell lights are out there. You oh. know, the, the, the player, I think, uh, Sean, that they could at least afford to lose is Ethan bear because you, both cleft bomb. They have on the left side, they got a lot more depth because they have Chris Russell who can slot in on the top four on the left side as well. They got nurse cleft bomb, Russell, Caleb Jones, uh, Lagason. you lose Ethan bear and man, the, I think you're in trouble. So I think he's, I don't, I wouldn't say bears their best defenseman. Um, I, I, I have a hard time picking between the three. I, I can see why people are picking Clefbaum, but they can't lose Ethan Bear. Like if he got hurt, that would be like, remember that about 10 games ago, he looked like he got hurt. And yeah. I was just like banging my head on the wall. Cause like, I was so glad to see him back for the second period because that would have been horrendous. Cause who do they got for the, I mean, Adam Larson top four. Yeah. Kinda, you know, mm-hmm. If he's if he's really healthy, maybe um, Chris Russell on his wrong side, Caleb Jones on his wrong side. I mean, they'll get by if I guess you know they get by, but I, I do not want to see that. So fingers crossed. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing I like about Ethan Bear the most, I think, you know, talking about you know different strengths from each defenseman, I, I think he has the highest ho- hockey IQ. Like yes. When he smart, subtle plays, right, and that's what you want from a top pair defenseman, an intelligent player. And, uh, you know, sometimes people, it's funny, <laughs> the, the Oilers Twitter dynamic, it, it's so funny because um, there's a lot of people that just, 
There's not too many people that are pro nurse and cleft bomb. <laughs> Isn't they're, that the truth? They're either pro cleft bomb and anti nurse, or they're pro nurse and anti cleft bomb, right? And it was it was kind of similar a couple of years ago with Nuge and Drysital. A lot of people were putting Drysital down because they thought it would hurt Nuge, or we'd want to trade him, and, and then kind of vice versa. So it's just, I, I mean, I'm not surprised by the results, but I, I do agree. I think cleft bomb has been the most consistent. Um, you know, he's, I think he leads the league in block shots as well. He, he's been a horse for sure. There's no doubt about it, but I wouldn't underestimate the impact nurse does have. And he has been playing top, top pair of minutes. People always ripped him before, um, you know, decision-making, whatever, but he was playing with Chris Russell. Now you get him away from Russell, you put him with bear. Now you, you kind of see a more, um, all round defenseman, right? So. I think oh, he's just been, he's been great with bear. Like we're seeing this kind of two-way player. That that's emerged in nurse that we've never seen before. And I think he's playing his best hockey. I, I I think you can make a strong argument that he's been the owner's best defenseman game in game out um, over the whole season. So um, I, and, and so I was on, I was deaf. Like I never understood the, the people I never, who were against dry Like I didn't, it didn't make any sense to me at all. Like people who talked about trading him. So I was never on team dry or team RNH. I just like, why are you guys so keen to move dry settle up? Why are you always criticizing him and against him signing long-term? That's what I didn't understand. In this case, I'm a bit more, I think on team nurse than team Clefbaum, mainly because Clefbaum has struggled so much, I think defensively the last two years, but he's over that now and he's playing great hockey. So good for Oscar Clefbaum yeah. because in the end, we're all on hopefully team Oilers. For sure. And it's the strongest defensive unit we've had in a long time, right? And if, if you've got Larson and Russell on your bottom pair, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty Fan, good bottom pair, fantastic, right? Fantastic. Eh? It's just fantastic. Excellent. It's, it's playoffs. If you get these guys, if they're all healthy, it means the playoffs to me. If you get six defensemen like that. So, and, and you know, if I'm completely honest, I'm itching to see Ethan Bear on the power play. Like I yeah. really want to see that because I think he he just adds that he adds an element of of puck sense and shooting, which Clefbaum uh, doesn't quite have. And uh, so yeah, to answer you com- completely honest, I would love to see that, and I think they will move to that as the year goes on. But Clefbaum is he's hanging in there. He he moves the yeah. puck well. So yeah, he does. I agree. All right, it's a late night for you. What time is it, in Ontario? Almost two a.m. Okay, I'll uh, let you go, man. I'm not complaining. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. And uh, hopefully the next time we do it, it will be an Oilers win. So thanks right. again, Sean. All right. Thanks for having me on, Dave. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Let me just uh, shut this down.